0: Okay, the story begins. So we're going to start from chapter 53. We started chapter 52. We got the gist of chapter 52. We'll recap it soon. There was, it kind of concludes with a lot of Kabbalistic jargon, which is very difficult to understand. So we're going to kind of just recap everything and, and get the, the general gist of what's going on, what we're trying to figure out in these chapters. These are in my humble opinion, probably the most difficult part of Tanya. It's very philosophical, it's very Kabbalistic, and we're charged with a responsibility to make it meaningful, to make it personally relevant and not just keep it as Kabbalistic or philosophical jargon. But the overall theme of the last several chapters starting pretty much from chapter 50, is we're trying to figure out what it means to for God to be present in the world. What does it mean when we say God is present? He's present in the Beit HaMikdash. He's present in the synagogue. He's present when we do a mitzvah. God is everywhere. And if he needs me to make him present, is that the God that I, if he's dependent on me, is that the God that I wanna serve? And if he doesn't need me because he's everywhere, why do I need to serve him? So we gave several analogies to try to understand what we're talking about here. What we said in short was, yes, God is everywhere, but that doesn't mean he's experienced everywhere. Which means if you were to ask God, Are you everywhere? He's going to say yes. If you were to ask me, in my own experience, is God everywhere? Or to ask human beings, eh, not really. You know, sometimes when I'm up, when I'm feeling good, you know, he's here, he's there. Experientially, he's not everywhere. In reality, he is everywhere. Which, by the way, the most important lesson we can walk away from this is that our experiences don't necessarily reflect reality. If they did, we would be a total tzaddik. A tzaddik's experiences reflect reality. But for us regular folk, um, we believe reality is a product of our experiences um, on some subconscious level. But in truth, Reality and our own experiences of reality might be two separate things. By the way, this is something that um, not only the Torah believes, but this is something that contemporary psychology even believes. This is the premise of, of CBT, of cognitive restructuring, challenging somebody's beliefs of reality and comparing that to the honest reality. We gave the example of the human body we are created in god's image so to understand god the best way to do that is understanding ourselves where is the soul souls everywhere your whole body is alive and when you feel passionate about something with all of your soul your whole body is drawn drawn to it but where is your soul most experienced in the brain in the mind Experientially, it, you know, in, in chapter nine, going back to chapter nine of Tanya, we said our soul is the divine soul is located primarily in the brain. Well, the soul is everywhere, but experientially, the soul is primarily in the brain. In reality, the soul is everywhere. Similarly, in reality, Where is God? He's everywhere. Experientially, you have to find his brain. We said in chapter uh, 52, that that is referring to the Torah. The Torah is the brain of God. The Torah is the mind of God. The Torah is the, the wisdom of God. Just like our physical brain,
1: it's so... Josh, you're gone. I don't know if you... Can everybody hear Josh? Yeah, he's frozen. He's gone. (laughs) It's like, oh, well, that was interesting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's smiling, though, but his eyes closed.
1: (laughs) He's He's back. Can
0: you hear me? Yep. Are we back to Earth? Okay. When when did I when did you lose me?
2: Uh, I'd have to rewind the recording to answer that. <laughs> okay. Uh, <you> said <laughs> in reality, uh, for, uh, God is found in the mind. God is found in Torah, but in reality, He is everywhere.
1: Okay. And then, right.
2: and you might have said one more thing,
0: but I can't remember. <laughs> so. so it, in an intellectual experience, um, you can hear me now, right? You still hear me? Okay. An intellectual experience is spiritual. And what I mean by spiritual, it's not physical. When you have an epiphany, it's not physical. But what's fascinating about that is you have that epiphany with a physical brain. I don't know if a neurologist can quantify that spirit or, or, or can, 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 I'm having trouble finding the vernacular here. It, it, it's a fascinating blend to emerge between physicality and spirituality an intellectual experience. You have a physical brain that facilitates a spiritual experience when you have some sort of epiphany or understanding or appreciation. The same thing with with our emotions. A physical heart um, facilitates an emotional experience. So similarly, a physical Torah that talks about a physical world, a practical world, facilitates divine presence. Which means when you study the, um, for example, right before we turned on the recording, we were talking about the uh, astronomy in the context of Jewish law. It, to the outside observer, it sounds like we were talking about mathematics, but we weren't. We were really talking about God's values, something so tangible, quantifiable, it's mathematical, yet it's a divine presence just like a physical brain can facilitate a spiritual and intellectual experience, the physical Torah that talks about the physical world facilitates the divine presence. Um, Okay, everybody with me? We're on the ark here, we're on the boat? Okay. At the end of chapter 52, he explains how every world has some sort of brain, quote unquote, some sort of um, location which houses the divine presence. We explained in other chapters that there's more than one, there's, there's multiple worlds, there's multiple realms, there's multiple planes of reality. There's reality as we know it. you know, we One of the examples we gave in JLI, I, actually, I absolutely love this example, just so clear to me. But one of the examples we gave in JLI a few months ago is you have a piano, right? Imagine you have a piano, a huge grand piano, polished nicely. If you were to ask a musician, What do you see? He's gonna tell you he sees potential music. But and he may describe the potential feeling that he'll get from the sounds of the music. If you were to ask somebody who is, God forbid, born deaf, what do you see? It's not gonna say a piano, a musical instrument. He might say furniture. Right? This is where I, where I, I, I knew this uh, guy, he had a piano in his house, this rabbi, he had a grand piano and he had picture frames on it. So he said when I was, you know, we had a couple of kids, we had a small piano, but as I got more kids, I needed more room for more pictures. So we got a grand piano. <laughs> so <laughs> somebody who's less musically inclined might say it's furniture. They're both correct, right? Imagine you were to ask a woodpecker, what is this? It's dinner. You ask a a bird or an animal, what is this, it's dinner. And all three answers are true um, on their level, in their experience. In reality, they're not all true. The reality, the piano is a musical instrument, but experientially, all three answers are true. But what that shows is there's different worlds. And by world, we mean different perspectives, different paradigms of existence. There's the paradigm of which we live in, the physical world, but there's more spiritual paradigms where various angels and souls occupy, which I can tell you little about. But what we can tell you, and this is what much of the teachings of Kabbalah um, describe the spiritual geography of of the various worlds, is that each world has a means of which God is uh, a, mean, uh, a means by which God is most experienced, just like this world does. In this world, it's the Torah. In all worlds, God is equally present. God is everywhere. In every single paradigm of existence. But there's going to be uh, locations, uh, um, a means of which God is most experienced, where He's most revealed. Right. Take a look on page six sixty nine. Let's see, and, and we'll uh, we'll break through to chapter fifty three. Everybody with me? Makes sense. Okay. Chapter fifty three. We'll read from the beginning. Now, when the first temple existed, so in our world, where God was most experienced, again, God is everywhere, but again, the soul is everywhere in the body. It's most experienced in the brain. God is everywhere, but where he was most experienced was in the temple. Now, when the first temple existed, containing the Ark, and the tablets, the most sacred chamber, holy of holies. The Shekhinah, the divine presence. I'm gonna skip the parentheses. Next line rested there. And it manifested through the 10 commandments on the tablets with more dignity and more power, with great, with greater and more formidable degree of disclosure, the most sacred chambers of the spiritual world, Yetzirah and Bria in English you were to take a trip through all the various worlds, all the various spiritual paradigms, and find that spot where God is most experienced, and you were to describe that experience, the experience of God in the Holy of Holies, with the Ark, with the tablets, in the temple, in this physical world, would top all of that. Which is pretty fascinating. You go to a spiritual paradigm where there is less where God is less hidden yet he's actually more experienced in this world in the Beit HaMikdash, in the temple in the Holy of Holies. I remember right before we moved here. We moved here three years ago or four years ago. I'm so confused. I don't know. Right before we moved here. What? Requires math. Requires math, right? Hmm. I don't know, whatever, we moved here. So a couple of weeks before we moved here, Javi and I went to Israel for, um,
1: it was a quick trip. Everybody remember quick trip when he wants
2: to know where where he left. He's
1: gone on trips. (laughs) I hear us because he's stuck. <laughs>
0: oh man, we froze. We froze. Quick uh, trip, quick trip.
1: I, you went on a trip, and we couldn't quick get quick you. <laughs> you were quickly gone. Now he's gone again. Not
2: again, that I don't think be he's paying his bill. Quick trip. Ra- Rabbi, I- Rabbi Josh, can I interest you in? A different internet provider yes <laughs> where is your uh, router by the way your wireless. um it's, it's in the other, other room side of
0: that room i of that oh wait no the kitchen's beside where behind where you are yeah no it's in the other room but I but i've never had a problem i don't know why it's acting up all of a sudden
1: hmm.
0: and i have pretty much almost full bandwidth i don't know but you can hear me right now now we can. Okay, so so we're A quick trip. At the... Quick trip. <laughs> okay, we had a quick we... trip and <laughs> we're approaching the Western Wall. Um, that's my one spot. It was like a real spiritual experience. It was amazing. It wasn't even my first time. It was my third time or second time, no, third time. It wasn't my first time or anything but there was this overwhelming spiritual experience. And I'll tell you what overwhelmed me. There was a lot of things that overwhelmed me. One of, it was, one of the things was the incredible diversity of Jewish people coming together. I found that to be overwhelming and to be inspiring, but there was something else. You think about the history of the Western wall. You think about the overwhelming feeling of spirituality at that Western wall. But then you think about the geographical context. That wall was the most outer wall of the temple. So you think to yourself, imagine what it feels like on the other side of that wall with a Beit HaMikdash present, with a constructed temple, with Kohens, with Kohanim and Levites offering and serving and singing Imagine the temple was in service. Imagine the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, was right there behind that wall in the Holy
1: of Holies. Imagine it was Yom Kippur. Imagine the Ark was there. Imagine the tablets were there.
0: I wouldn't be able to... I I was overwhelmed by what it would feel like to be overwhelmed (laughs) by that spiritual experience.
1: Because in that Ark, in that Holy of Holies, in the Ark, contains the tablets. And over there, there's everything. Everything is in there. It's all there.
0: And the reason why, this is fascinating, the reason why there's going, God will be more experienced there then not only anywhere in our physical world, but even in the spiritual worlds, in paradigms where there is more spiritual
1: clarity and less concealment of godliness. The reason why God is more there is because it, it's physical.
0: Again, the most spiritual experience is done with a physical brain. It's pretty interesting, right? The great, and here's the rule there's a, General rule when it comes to spirituality and physicality, the dynamic between spirituality and physicality. The greater something is, the lower it falls. The higher something is, the lower it falls. Right? The apple that fell furthest from the tree was the one that was probably the most highest on top. So, similarly, the greatest of revelation. The most spiritual of revelation will manifest itself most physically.
2: So, you, what, when was the time, when had been the last time you were there before this this time? Before that? Yeah. Two years prior. And you had a, a whole different. Experience on this one than you did two years before. It was a more mature experience. So, so there's another factor. There is what are you ready to experience? Right, that's true. You you weren't ready to experience that two years before. Right. And a one-year-old aligning experience with reality. What's that?
0: That's aligning experiences with reality.
2: I mean, yeah. the reality doesn't change, but your experience changes, right?
1: Yeah. And,
2: and exactly. the work that you put in makes you ready for a more meaningful experience. Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe no, uh, maybe when your plane is crashing and it lands, uh, you you instantly get the... Uh, <laughs> well,
0: Everyone's gonna have their own route. Some, some people, it's the plane crashing. Some, people, but but there is a, there was a, a Hasidic Rebbe known, known as the Katskher Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem of Kutzke, and he was once asked, "Where was God?" And he said, "Wherever you let him in. in reality doesn't change. He's everywhere. But where are we gonna allow ourselves to most experience him? Now, the most there are places where he's more available to be experienced and during the times of the Beit mikdash when there was the holy of holies with the physical ark that contained the tablets that god gave us at mount sinai when it literally contained that that was the most spiritual of experiences greater than even an experience that may have transpired in other spiritual realms in heaven and the reason is because it was physical because the the, the the higher something is, the lower the lower something penetrates, the
1: higher it actually came from. Um, Did I freeze you, you guys are with me. Okay, we're we're with me. So I'll give you an example. I'll give you two examples.
0: Which one is more uh, hearing the sense of our, our auditory senses? That's a spiritual sense. You can't quantify, you can't measure, I mean, I guess you can measure sound, but but it's good. relative to sight, hearing is more spiritual,
1: right? Sight is more concrete. You can concretely describe what you saw.
0: On the other hand, which one encapsulates a more accurate
1: depiction of what's going on? Sight does more than sound. Um, and
0: dis- sight is more sophisticated more spiritually sophisticated than sound but sight is more physical it's more physical and therefore it can contain more spiritual because the greater something is the lower it, it's going to penetrate another example is in relationships the most intimate and deep relationships are not conversational The most intimate and deep relationships are not emotional or intellectual, but actually physical. The sense of touch is the most powerful of senses. It's the most physical. Yet it's the deepest, because the more something, the more physical something becomes, the the more something um, penetrates the physical world, the deeper
1: It is enrooted in spirituality. That's why, by the way, when we, um, you think about it, we eat food. It's kind of funny that human beings are more sophisticated than food, yet we're dependent on it. How could we be dependent on food? Food should be dependent on us. And the answer is, it's more physical,
0: it's, it's, a, it's considered to be a lower form of existence, because it's enrooted in a higher spiritual source. And it has the ability to elevate us, or for us to elevate it back to its original source. It's that same idea. There's a
1: important shift here in how we view the Beit HaMikdash, the, Beta the Holy Temple. The shift is that it wasn't just a
0: geographical location designated to serve God, although that's what it partially was, but that wasn't its essence. The Holy Temple, the Beta HaMikdash, the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant within it, the tablets that God gave us at Sinai containing the old Torah was not just a location designated to serve God. It was actually a location
1: where God was physically present, physically present in this world. Take a look on page 672.
0: Because it was such a unique revelation, not everybody was uh, ready to handle it. Not everybody could experience it. Not not everybody can. um, Not everybody's ready to handle it. So what we do is we have a designated representative
1: who's prepared to handle it. Anybody know who I'm referring to? Who is allowed in the Holy of Holies? And the, climbing.
0: Exactly, the Kohen Gadol, right? The high priest. Take a look at the bottom of 672. All the way in the bottom, the last two bold lines. And because of this revelation, not found anywhere else on earth, no person was allowed to enter there except for the high priest on the day of atonement on Yom Kippur. On the holiest day of the year, person who's designated to be the holiest person when he prepared himself properly can enter there and on behalf of the entire Jewish people will experience God
1: and share that experience with us afterwards but that's just an indication of how deep that revelation was Now, unfortunately, after the temple was destroyed, the first temple, all of this went away. Um, The the temple
0: was built by King Solomon. King Solomon knew that the temple wasn't going to last forever. So he actually built hidden chambers like a hidden basement under the Temple Mount. And many of the articles of the Temple, including the Ark of the Covenant, is said to be in those chambers. We don't know where they are to this day. Many of the articles, they say, are in the Vatican. Um, And that might be true. I don't know. But there are some articles, including the Ark of the Covenant, that are actually under the Temple Mount in those chambers. But the point is when the second temple was built 70 years later, so the temple was destroyed, unfortunately, the first temple by the Babylonians. The Jews were exiled to Babylon. It was a 70-year exile. In this period of time is when the story of Purim took place, just for historical context. At the end of 70 years, Ezra the scribe led much of the Jewish population back to Israel and rebuilt the second temple.
1: It was nothing like the first temple. It wasn't a spiritually,
0: Israel was not spiritual in the same way. The Jewish people were not spiritual in the same way. Things were more politically motivated. It wasn't really, it was in many ways it was still exile. Many of the miracles that took place in the first temple didn't take place in the second temple. And most importantly, the Ark of the Covenant that contained the tablets were missing in the second temple era. So this revelation, this experience that we've described, which is the greatest of experiences out of any place, out of any spiritual dynamic in the spiritual world, Only took place in the first temple. During the second temple is lacking. And now
1: we don't have any temple. It's for sure lacking. But the truth is. Even though the temple has
0: been destroyed. Again God didn't go anywhere. So there has to be somewhere else. Where we can have this experience. There has to be another. Um means of which we can have this experience if not the holy of holies and that's what the torah is that's where torah comes in the torah when you study the torah and we're going to talk about this more next week in section two on page 673 we'll finish off the book off the chapter that's where torah study is gonna that's the role of torah study in judaism think about it this way god gave us the torah at Mount Sinai and he revealed himself again a similar revelation to that of which took place in the temple but when God revealed himself at Sinai what happened to the Jewish people anybody remember they died they died they were overwhelmed by the experience their souls departed God had to revive them so what God said afterwards is okay this is obviously not working it's obviously overwhelming why didn't you build for yourselves a temple? And that's when he commanded them to build the tabernacle right afterwards and eventually build the permanent structure in Israel. But now that we don't have, so that that basically is there to facilitate that revelation and we'll have a designated representative. We'll have the coin gobble. These days, we don't have any of that. The way we can experience God palpably, where it's not overwhelming, where it's meaningful, that's through Torah study. And we'll talk more about this next week. But the homework is the meditation is next time you study Torah, whether you're studying the Maimonides or studying the Torah portion or listening to a lecture, think about how God is present here as he is in the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur with the Kohen Gaddafi. Think about that deep intimacy with God. Yes, God is everywhere, but think about how this is where he can be most experienced because experiences in reality don't
1: always go hand in hand, but in this case, they are perfectly aligned. Okay, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it.